That's called an assist in basketball when someone passes you the ball. So I appreciate the assist. Mark him down for one assist there. Uh, but we use the silly game of basketball. Some of you here, don't turn me off. I've got on sweats and a Christian t-shirt. You're thinking, what's he doing in the pulpit? Well, the Apostle Paul said to use all means necessary to win some. So depending on what church I'm at, I would have on a nice pair of slacks and a button-down. The pastor told me when I got here to set up my table, we're not legalistic here, Randy. You can go up there like that. So I'm going to do some things with the ball for you. Being from the Bible Belt in uh, North Carolina, some churches wouldn't allow this, but thank God he's looking at the heart and not at our skin color or what we have on. Obviously, we got to be decently and in order, but uh, God's looking at the heart. Crossfire, we use the silly game of basketball, young people. As I said, someone here may be a doctor, someone may be a lawyer, someone may be a businessman, you may be in the police force, you may be a nurse, you may work at Walmart, you may be unemployed, you may be retired, or you may be a student. But God has put you there to be a light to the world. You will reach people for Christ where you are that your pastor could never reach. You'll reach people for Christ that Billy Graham could never reach. You'll reach people for Christ that a missionary could never reach. And I was blessed about two years ago to spend about 30 minutes with Dr. Billy Graham. Now, young people, he's not a wrestler. He's not a rock star. He's a 99-year-old evangelist who's preached to 150, 160 different countries. He lives about 10 miles from where I do. I've met him several times over the years But my prayer for 25 years is to be able to spend a little time with him. And about two years ago, my ministry partner and I, Jamie Johnson, were invited to go to his log cabin where he raised his family up in Montreat, North Carolina, up in the mountains. And we got to spend about 30 to 45 minutes with him. And he laid hands on us and prayed for us, and we prayed for him. He's uh, flat of his back now, and, and uh, he, I think he asked the Lord one time to let him live to be 100, and he's 99 now. Unfortunately, he's not in the best health, but when I got to meet with him, he was in a wheelchair, he had oxygen on, and he gave me a statistic that I want to share with you. And it's not a good statistic if you fall in to the 95% that I used to be in. And here's the statistic, 95% of us here that name the name of Jesus Christ, not that say we're a Christian. You ask people on the streets in America, are you a Christian? 90% of them will probably say yes, maybe less now. But being a Christian doesn't mean that because you're born in America. Being Christian doesn't make you a Christian because you come to church. The Bible says in John 3, you must be born again. And when Jesus said that to Nicodemus, Nicodemus was an educated man. He was a man who was religious. He was a man that had memorized the first five books of the Torah, which is the Old Testament. And Nicodemus didn't have the assurance of his salvation. And he came to Jesus and he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? For a t-shirt, young people, first one, the hand goes up. Nicodemus asked Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? For a crossfire t-shirt, the first one that answers, what did these children here, not you big children, we'll move to you if they don't know. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus on how he could get to heaven? Any of y'all know? 
You don't know. All right. Pastor, you can't answer. Elders, you can't answer. Congregation, first hand it goes up. Yes, ma'am. What did he say? Amen. You get a Crossfire t-shirt. There's a table of them out there. I didn't come to sell t-shirts, but I came to share Jesus. If you buy a Crossfire t-shirt, you'll be sharing Jesus. I wore this to the UCLA game yesterday. I wear it to the Lakers game. I wear it to Golden State games. I wear it. Why? Because God has called me as an evangelist to be a witness. And there are hundreds of people that come up to me at these events and these ball games and say, thank you for that shirt. And then there's some people that look at me funny. And when Tim Tebow was doing such a great job on the football field, I uh, got a chance to meet him and pray with him. And I went to the football game when he had nine games under his belt in a row. And he was playing against the New England Patriots. And it was in Boston, near there. And I flew into Boston, spoke at the Boston Rescue Mission, went to the football game, and it was cold. And I had about six sweatshirts on, but I had a sweatshirt on that had this on the back of it. And when I took my seat, if you're New England Patriot fans here, I'm going to pray for you, just kidding. But when I took my seat, I began to be ridiculed. Jesus is not going to help Tim Tebow today. He might as well go home. We're going to blankety-blank-blank kill Tim Tebow today. So being the nice evangelist that I am, I sat there for the first half, and I just listened. And I cheered for Tim Tebow, but they were down about 30 at halftime. So I said, well, they may be telling the truth on that, but the real truth is on my back. So at halftime, I stood up, not asking you to do this. God had given us all different callings. And I lovingly shared the gospel with about 40 people behind me. Gave them an opportunity right there in the football stadium to receive Christ. You could have heard a holy hush fall upon those people. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. Now other times I've been in Jerusalem and I've been spinning the ball on the streets in Jerusalem. And I'll show that to you in just a moment to draw a crowd. And I got a whole new revelation of what the Apostle Paul said about an angry group of Jews. I had, there were some children there, Pastor. I was spinning the ball, and uh, they were listening. And I gave them gospel tracts, like I'll give you today, a crossfire gospel track, and I also gave them a gospel track in Hebrew, their language. I've been to Israel 20 times. I'll be going back in November. I get to speak in uh, schools in Bethlehem and Nazareth, which are started by missionaries. You say, Randy, you're crazy. They're fighting over there. Well, you're safer there in the will of God than on the streets of Whittier out of the will of God. So I hope you're in the will of God today. But uh, that particular day, I didn't see a Orthodox. If you're Jewish here and you know Jesus, awesome. If you're Jewish here and you don't know Jesus, awesome. But I believe that we have to come through Jesus, even the Jews. And we call that Messianic Jews. And I have a lot of Messianic Jewish friends. But I was sharing the gospel there, spinning the ball, and I'll show you young people what I do with the ball, and glory to God, He gives us all different talents and abilities. When I was a young man, and I'm coming back to the Jerusalem story, if I forget, you remind me, okay? When I was a young man, mom and dad came home from work, and I had different things out, I had a basketball out, and I grew up idolizing a guy named Pistol Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete was probably one of the greatest ball handlers ever, 
and he was doing things with the basketball that Stephen Curry is doing now. But uh, Pete tried everything, and if you want to Google his testimony, he came to know Christ about five years before he died, and uh, he died in a gym uh, in this area, Church of the Nazarene. I got to work, focus on the family camp a couple of times, and Dr. Dobson walked me right over to the spot where Pete died. And Pete's story went out on focus on the family of being born-again athlete. But Pete was my hero, and he used to do all kinds of things with the ball. So I was spinning the ball like so, and Mom and Dad didn't think that was strange. The next day they came home, I had a spoon out. We go to Africa, Russia, Cuba, the Ukraine, Argentina, Brazil, Puerto Rico, and Whittier. We tell folks this is how boys from North Carolina eat ice cream. Not really, but a few... You get it going real good, and you eat your ice cream like so. I like to say now, taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you taste the Lord? You repent of your sin. You invite Jesus to come into your life. And you get into God's Word like you all are in the Bible club and find out how much He loves you and how much He cares for you. The next day, Mom and Dad came home. I had a toothbrush out. And just like this toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jesus Christ went to the cross. As I mentioned to you, I've been to Israel 20 years, 20 times. It's a real place. This church believes that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. That means without error. I believe that too. You can also believe the maps in the back. The cities are in the places that they say they are. And I've been able to look up to Golgotha, where Jesus went to the cross. And young people, moms and dads, he stretched out his life between a holy God. We'll let the ball represent the world. We're sinners. You're looking at a sinner. I don't want to sin. Because the Spirit of God lives in me now, but I mess up every day. The Apostle Paul said, what I do, I don't want to do. And what I don't do, I want to do. Who will separate me from this state? Jesus Christ. So Jesus went to the cross. I'll use this illustration. I hope you never forget it. He bridged the gap like I'm holding the Bible and the ball. Jesus stretched out His life. He went to the grave, young people. And He didn't stay in the grave. You see, when I went to UNC Asheville on a basketball scholarship, they told me that Jesus was a good man with some good stories, and this was a good book. That's three lies. Jesus is God, He's sinless, and this is the Word of God. And Jesus didn't stay in the grave like Buddha, like Muhammad, like Confucius, like all the other religious leaders you're going to learn about. You see, religion is man's way of trying to get to God. But relationship is when Jesus went to the cross, young people, and He stretched out His life. He went in the grave. What happened on the third day, babe? He rose from the grave. That's exactly right. And just like this toothbrush is going to clean my teeth, Jesus Christ wants to clean your heart up and give you peace and hope and purpose for living. The next day, Mom and Dad came home. I had a old school, well, it wasn't old school back then, and when I was young, I really didn't have a phone, but uh, had an old school cell phone out. Now, I can do it on an iPhone, but those iPhones are expensive. 
So I don't want to mess it up, all right? So the Bible said to what? Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. You say, Randy, yep, that's what pastor's supposed to do. Nope, he's talking to us. But ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Back to Jerusalem. I'm doing this in the streets of uh, Jerusalem. Uh, I'd done it several times over the years. We'd give an opportunity to receive Christ, and people would come to Christ right there on Benihuda Street in Jerusalem. A gentleman told my pastor, who I was there with, man, we've been praying for folks to come to Christ for years. Thank you for sharing the gospel. So the next trip, it was getting a little more lively in Jerusalem. So this Orthodox Jewish fellow I didn't see got on his telephone, Pastor, and before I knew it, there were 50 to 75 Orthodox Jewish men with hats, hair, all black on, around me, sister, chanting in Hebrew, we hate you and we hate Jesus too. You see, the Jews don't like Jesus. They uh, believe that Jesus was an arrogant rabbi who started his own sect because they don't believe in the New Testament. So I asked the guy beside me, what are they saying? That's when he told me what they were saying. There was a little man with me that was about 55 years old. He was an elder at a church in North Carolina. And I said to him, Frank, you need to go out in the audience and you need to get your wife and the other 10 people that came with me. My ministry partner, Jamie, was the smart one, brother. He was back at the hotel with the other 40 people. And so Frank says this, 55 years old, he had one hand, young people. His hand had been chopped off when he was a little boy working in a sawmill. And he, so he didn't have a hand here. This is what he said to me. He said, Randy, I'm not going anywhere. He said, you're sharing the gospel, and I'm going to stay here and pray for you. What he didn't know, Brother Rick, I was through sharing the gospel. I was looking for a way of escape. <laughs> So a guy comes out of the crowd, he gets about this far from me, sweetheart, and I thought he was just going to talk to me, and he spits in my face. So I got spit rolling down my face. It wasn't funny then, baby. <laughs> I told Frank, I said, we need to get up the street. So make a long story short, if Pastor will have me back another time, I'll tell you the rest of that story, but I'm here today, right? Now, I made it up the street. God did a miracle. There were two Messianic Jewish fellows that were in front of a restaurant that we went in. I asked the guy in front of the restaurant, I said, uh, can you call the police? He was the manager of the restaurant. They, they were cutting a big piece of lamb there. And uh, he said, yes, you come with me. So these two Messianic fellows here with yarmulkes on were standing ordering a sandwich. They turned on the group that was shouting us and and saying, calling us Gentile pigs. They turned on that group and they said, you leave these guys alone. They're doing a good thing. They're sharing the gospel. Well, as I started up the steps, I'm going to have to tell you now because I see some of you hanging on the edge of your chair. At least my sister right here is. So, so I get up in the top and I look back down. And one of these fellows with the yarmulkes on had on the ground one of the Orthodox Jewish guys. Now, Brother, you and I are basketball guys. We're not supposed to get in the flesh, are we? He had gotten the flesh that day. And he had this Orthodox fellow on the ground. And so I thought that was strange. I said, here we have a guy with a yarmulke on who looks Jewish himself. 
And he's got this orthodox guy on the ground because they're chasing me. But he turned on them and said, he's doing a good thing. He's sharing the gospel. So I got up in the top of the restaurant, brother, pastor, and I sat down on a box. And I thought to myself, man, my daddy's going to see me on CNN tonight. (laughs) Frank says, Jimmy, I want to go get my wife and the others now and put them in a taxi. I said, Frank, it's not the time to go now. I told you 20 minutes ago, we're safe right now. He said, Randy, they're not after me, they're after you. He, before the Lord, he went right down, walked right through the crowd, got his wife, put them in a taxi, took them, back, they, they rode back to the hotel. He comes back to me, I'm almost finished. One of the guys that had the yarmulkes on that had put the Orthodox fellow on the ground stopped him. And he said, my friend and I are Messianic Jews. He said, God had us here to help you. Now, the Bible says you entertain angels sometimes. I don't know if it was an angel or not, brother, but he was there. And uh, so Frank comes back up in the top of the restaurant in the attic and says to me, guess what just happened? Those two fellows were Messianic Jews, and, and they said they were here to help us. So then the Israeli police showed up about five minutes later with bats and their helmets on. They said, what's going on here? I said, sir, I'm a missionary from America through basketball. I mentioned Jesus and all havoc broke loose. He said, you stay here. I said, I'm not going anywhere. Save my life. So I hear the squad car pull up in front of the restaurant with the sirens on. And if you've ever watched the movie Left Behind, where the people are really screaming at the Christians and so forth and persecuting them. We may not be far from that in America, so you might want to watch it sometime. So uh, he gets us behind him, the policeman. We go to the squad car. He puts us in the squad car, and those folks are still screaming and hollering, Gentile pigs, and I had done nothing. I wasn't, I wasn't preaching. Uh, I was just sharing my testimony. And the, uh, the cop had some fun with him. He whipped his car toward them and they all jumped out of the way so he starts laughing to me and he looks back in the back seat and he said young man have a good stay in Israel I said yes sir (laughs) I will I'm going to Galilee tomorrow so got back and I was driving back this is the point right here I was driving back in the in the police car with the sirens on thinking about the people that were with me and I said I would have never tried to put them in danger I was feeling kind of guilty I didn't do anything but share Jesus. I got back to the hotel, and I told the people in the lobby, about ten of them, I said, y'all, I'm really sorry. I would have never tried to put you in harm's way. They said, Randy, what are you apologizing for? They said, you're sharing the gospel. They said, we don't even witness in America. We're convicted. We're going to repent. And when we go back to America, we're going to start sharing our faith. The statistic that Billy Graham gives friends is that 95% of us that know the name of Jesus, including myself for way too many years, will never lead one soul to Christ. You say, Randy, that's the preacher's job. No, that's our job as believers in Christ. I'm not telling you that you go into work tomorrow and you say, okay, listen up, I'm going to preach the gospel. No, but you pray for the people you work with. God will give you opportunities To take somebody to lunch. Maybe he'll give you an opportunity to give them the message of Jesus on paper. And you don't go up to them, sweetheart, and say, read this, you're going to hell. No, you're not going to reach them like that. You put a smile on your face and say, hey, this message changed my life, brother. 
Would you read this sometime? The Word of God will not return void. You say, boy, Randy, we don't do that in America today. Yeah, we don't. And look at the shape we're in in America today. I'm not a doomsday prophet, but I, you cannot convince me that God is not trying to get America's attention. We just saw this on the video. God's desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Upward basketball. Great program that you're using to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out. I encourage you in that area. And I encourage you to reach as many kids as you can. We have a basketball camp that started. Big John, raise your hand please. And Catherine, great friends of mine that live uh, over in Fullerton. John and I were in ministry 27 years ago with a ministry called Spirit Express. We would tour the country. We would play major college teams and share Jesus at halftime of the games. One time we played in New Mexico in front of 17,000 people. They beat us on our last second shot, but we got to share Christ with 17,000 people at halftime. We played in Alabama in front of 13,000. We played in Tennessee in front of 10,000. Unfortunately, today in America, they don't want to hear about Jesus at the public schools. And some of the Christian schools don't want to challenge people to give their life to Christ. Some of the Christian schools, some of the Christian churches have just accepted if you walk through those doors back there, that makes you a Christian. I'm sorry, friends, but Dr. Billy Graham also says that he believes 60% of our churches in America are churchians. They've never truly repented of sin. So I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation. I pray everybody here knows the Lord. But if we know Christ, friends, we should want to tell others in some way, fashion, or form. If we don't have a desire, if our family members go to heaven or our loved ones or our neighbors, then I need to check and see if I really know the Lord. So I'm glad you're using Upward. You don't play basketball. If you're a plumber, plumb for Jesus. If you're a mechanic, mechanic for Jesus. If you're a policeman, you've got to arrest them. But you get an opportunity, share Christ with them. Crossfire is trying to reach them before they get there. And uh, so we play colleges. We do summer camps. We do speak at Upward Banquets, preaching churches, youth rallies, revivals. We share in the streets. You say, Randy, I'm never going with you to Israel. Well, I've been there 21 times, and God takes care of us. He, you say, well, he didn't take care of Stephen. What happened to Stephen? Well, thank God for Stephen. Stephen was willing to stand for Christ. I don't know if I could do that if somebody was throwing rocks at me. But you know, there was a guy named Saul standing there holding Stephen's clothes, and he saw Stephen taking these punishment for the gospel. And this man named Saul had an encounter on the road to Damascus with Jesus with God, and now half, almost half the New Testament is written by a man named Saul who became Paul. Thank God for those missionaries and evangelists and disciples that were willing to take a stand. If we don't take a stand, friends, we're going to lose our next generation. So I encourage you, don't turn any children away. Our basketball camp, we don't turn anybody away if you, we can get them in there, they may, be, they may be the next Billy Graham. They may be the next Corey Ten Boom. And don't worry if it doesn't look like they're listening because seeds are being planted. You're looking at a prodigal. When I was nine years old, mom and dad came home from work. And I was in a service like this. My pastor was giving an invitation. Maybe you don't do that here. Southern Baptist churches in the Bible Belt, they give invitations. Give an opportunity to receive Christ. You say, Randy, y'all are into numbers. Well... Somebody was into numbers in the Bible. 
Because it said 5,000 were saved uh, at Pentecost, and that wasn't counting the wives and children. So somebody was counting, sister. And then we got a whole new book. We got a whole book about numbers. So it's not about numbers. Every soul, every number represents a soul. So if you have 60 kids and you're upward, they all represent a soul. If you got 80, they all represent a soul. So uh, I got up and I walked down the aisle. Did walking down that aisle make me a Christian, sweethearts? No, you're right. Just like going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger, does it? It's got to be a time in your life when you understand what sin is. I'm not going to do this survey here. Sometimes when I'm speaking at youth rallies, I do it. But I, I know y'all can tell y'all would tell the truth. But is there anybody in here that has never sinned before? Raise your hand. Say, Randy, that's ridiculous. Well, I was in a restaurant not long ago, eating dinner and in between the meal, getting to know the waitress and sharing a little bit with her. And she looked at me with a straight face. She was 35 years old in North Carolina in what's called the Bible Belt. And she said, Randy, I have never sinned. That's the world that we're living in now. Postmodernism. Your kids are being taught at UCLA, at North Carolina, at the school I went to, UNC Asheville, that if you don't think it's sin, it's not sin. Anything goes. If you want it to go, it goes. The Bible, man, that's an outdated book. What are you talking about? Man, that was written by man. That You, you believe 2,000 years ago that Bible still stands. I hear that all the time. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training unto righteousness. That word inspired means God breathed without error. So if we don't believe the Bible, then, then how are we going to believe Jesus to save us from our sins, from eternal punishment, and take us to a place called heaven? Either it's all God's Word or it's not. I don't believe it's like a cafeteria. I'll take some mashed potatoes. I'll take some tomatoes. I'll take some fruit. But I don't want that nasty red meat. It's either all God's word or it's not, friends. And that offends today in our society. So I came down the aisle. I gave my life to Christ as a nine-year-old boy. Grades one through eight, I went to a Christian school where reading God's word was just like math, social studies, and science. Something I was doing every day. I was growing in my relationship with the Lord. But in the ninth grade, basketball became my God. And everything I did revolved around basketball. Don't answer me out loud, but have you ever put something before the Lord? We can put our job before the Lord. We can put our children before the Lord. We can put our grandchildren before the Lord. We can put our bank account before the Lord. And I put basketball before the Lord. How'd you do that, Randy? Well, I talked mom and dad and let me go to public schools. Nothing wrong with public schools. Wherever your parents uh, have you go, it's where you go. But when I got to the public schools, Jimmy, you know what I found out? There wasn't anybody talking about Jesus. If you heard Jesus' name mentioned, somebody was swearing or taking his name in vain. Nobody was wearing Scripture t-shirts. Heard a story the other day, young people, and y'all are in the Bible club, and I'm going to support your lunch meal, and I'm hoping y'all do good when you go. But I heard a story about a ninth grader. He was carrying his Bible to school. Jimmy, raise your hand. Jimmy came to Crossfire Basketball Camp 20 years ago. I hadn't seen him since. My buddy told me he was living in this area. I called him, and thank you for coming, Jimmy. Jimmy played in the Arena Football League. He played uh, football at Virginia Tech. You're supposed to remember where I was at. What was I saying? Jimmy was at our camp. That's right. So uh, 
I got off the path in the ninth grade. Basketball became number one. I wasn't listening to the message. I went to church on Sunday, but I was looking at my watch thinking, when is he going to wrap this up? You may be thinking that now. I wasn't listening to the message. I wasn't applying it to my life. And the friends I were hanging out with weren't walking with the Lord. The public school, wasn't too many people walking with the Lord. That's why you guys that know the Bible and memorize it, you guys can have an awesome impact in being a witness for Christ. The Lord can use you in a mighty way, and I'm proud of you. So 16 years of age, I went off to a basketball camp with a good friend of mine, University of North Carolina basketball camp, the Tar Heels. And if you've ever been to a camp, you check into a high-rise, and there's a big high-rise there. You stay two to a room, and there's an adjoining bathroom. Well, in this room were two African-American guys. My best friend and I were in this room. One of the guys knocked on the door. He came through, big man. What's your name? J what? J.D. J.D. came through. His hair was a little bit longer than yours. He was a little darker skinned than you. Handsome fellow like you. Big smile on his face like you. He was six foot three. He was 17 years old. I was 16. He said, I want to introduce myself to you. My name is Mike Jordan. Well, he was from Wilmington, North Carolina. I was from Asheville. I had heard of Mike Jordan, but my high school teammate, a guy named Buzz Peterson, was probably more popular than Mike at the time because Buzz got player of the year in the state of North Carolina over Michael the next year. So we met that week. And man, Jimmy, we got on the same team. And that was fun. He made me look good. I was throwing the ball to him up around the rim and he was dunking it forwards and backwards and his tongue was hanging out and we were giving high fives and there was a little assistant coach coming in the gym who was saying, man, how are we going to get this kid to come play basketball at North Carolina? And if you follow basketball, that assistant coach's name today is Roy Williams, who's the head coach. But you know what the tragedy was of that week, y'all? I knew Jesus. And I hung out with Mike that whole week. We talked about the food in the cafeteria. We talked about where we wanted to go to college. I'm sure as 16 and 17-year-old guys, we talked about girls and J.D., you don't like girls now, but one day you will, buddy. All right? And there's a right perspective. Listen to me. We got some young ones here. But what they're being bombarded with on TV, what they're being bombarded with in the movies, what they're being bombarded with in music, most of it is garbage. It doesn't bring glory and honor to God. It's talking about drugs, alcohol, it's talking about doing things with your body that God says you don't do. Till you get married, you say, Randy, these are children. Trust me, as a nine-year-old boy in a Christian school, I know everything that I know today at a Christian school when a young, another young man brought pornography and showed it to me. You don't want your children to find out like that. You want to tell them what God says and, and explain it to them. So, I wasn't walking with the Lord then. I'd gotten off the path. I didn't share with Michael that week. Came back from camp and J.D., I was into basketball, buddy. I'd do different things with the ball because I wasn't that quick. I couldn't fly like Michael. I couldn't shoot like Buzz. But I was told, man, if you can handle this ball, there'll be a place for you on the team. 
So I would work on different drills every day. One was called around the world, around the leg. You start out slow, then you get faster. Get faster. You see, you can't play basketball if you have slow hands. Another drill was called the spider drill. Touch it twice in the front, twice in the back. Twice in the front, twice in the back. Twice in the front, twice in the back. As you get quicker, increase your hand speed. Can't play basketball if you have slow hands. You say, coach, you're going to have a heart attack. No, Catherine's praying for me back there, all right? When I go to foreign countries, I always apologize. By the way, he said I could go two hours. I'm just going to go an hour, okay? So be patient. No, I'm in the second half now. Stay with me. When I go to foreign countries, I apologize as an American. You know why? Because of what I just mentioned to you. We've sent a lot of stuff around the world that doesn't glorify God. Yes, America has sent the gospel around the world, and I believe that's why God has blessed America but now we're sending a lot of stuff around the world that doesn't glorify God. Pornography, music, movies. I'm not against movies. But when you find me one that doesn't take the Lord's name in vain three times, when you find me one where there's not nine out of ten relationships in it with sex outside of marriage, when you find me one that uh, is not insinuating things that are against the Bible, then you call me and we'll go watch it, all right? You say, boy, Randy, you're legalistic. No, I'm trying to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind that we may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, if you put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. You won't have a burden for the lost. You won't care if your neighbors go to heaven or hell if you're not feeding yourself in the Word and in Scriptures. And I fall short every day. I'm not the example. Jesus is the example. So I apologize to these foreign countries. We've been to 68 countries. I've been to Mexico three times, took teams to Mexico City, Cuba, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala. I see some awesome Hispanic people here. That's why I'm mentioning that. I love Hispanic people. And uh, so I apologize. And I was putting those things in my mind, young people. It doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It just means that you're, what are we supposed to put in our mind, Coach Randy? Philippians 4.8, if you've memorized it before. What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are good report? If there be any virtue, think on these things. The psalmist David said, I will put no corrupt thing before my eyes. What did Daniel do? Y'all know about Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel was in the lion's den. The whole country was uh, against him. They threw him in the lion's den with the lions. Did the lions eat him? No, why? Jesus was in there with him, wasn't he? How about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They put him in the fiery furnace in heat. Did it kill him, J.D.? No, because Jesus was with them. They took a stand. Friends, we have to take a stand. I wasn't doing that. Going into the fourth quarter, stay with me. Got a scholarship to the University of North Carolina at Asheville. Big deal. Small Division I school, but I felt like I'd reached my goal. Buzz and Michael went on to be roommates at North Carolina. Basketball was my God. If you like a good rhythm, go to the Christian bookstore, and you can find about any kind of beat you want that has glorified to God. But you be careful. Let an adult check it out, because not everybody that names the name of Jesus is walking with Jesus. 
The Bible says you know a tree by the fruit it bears. So this is the rhythm drill. Watch this one. Start out slow. Listen for the beat. Listen for the beat. Listen for the beat. As you get quicker, increase your hand speed. Increase your hand speed. You can't play basketball if you have slow hands. <laughs> Give me five. Thank you. So I was into basketball. Nothing wrong with being into basketball. Guy asked me this question, and I wanna, I'm closing. On campus at UNC Asheville, I had a praying mama. How many of y'all are praying mamas? You're praying for your children, your grandchildren. Don't stop. I had a praying mama. I was off the path. I was going the same places. I was going some of the same places that my non-Christian friends were. Doing things that God's Word told us not to do. Compromising. Bad company corrupts good morals. Who you hang out with, if you're 80 here, or if you're 8, who you hang out with intimately is going to affect you. I'm not telling you not to have any unsaved friends. You have to have unsaved friends so you can be a light to them. But those that you spend intimate time with need to be those that are walking with Christ. Or else they're going to probably influence you to do things that God's Word tells you not to do. And then you're going to make some bad choices like I did. So I was off the path. Basketball was my God. Guy came up to me on campus. Thank God for bold Christians. He said, Randy... How's your walk with the Lord going? And I lied to him. Jimmy, I said, oh, my walk is going good. I go to church on Sundays. Wasn't listening. Mom and dad want me to go to church. Sitting there thinking about playing basketball. Somebody's going to get my scholarship. Somebody's going to get my position. I wasn't listening to the message. And then he asked me this question. You see, we can lie to each other. We can lie to mom and dad. We can lie to our pastor. But we can't lie to God. And he asked me this question that I want to ask you all. He said, Randy, if you were to die today, and we pray that doesn't happen, and you stood before God, and he said, why should I let you into my kingdom? Kind of like what Nicodemus asked Jesus. What must I do to get to heaven? I grew up in a Christian school. I grew up in church. I believe I made a decision for Christ at nine years old, but I was off the path. We played the Gardner Webb University pastor four nights later. Big crowd for our school, 5,000, not for major colleges, but for our school. Tough game. We needed to win to advance in the playoffs. I stepped into the huddle to call the team defense. As I turned to walk toward half court, bam. Got hit right in the side of the head, sweetheart. Didn't see the punch coming. Didn't even get a chance to respond. I fell over to the side, semi-unconscious. Both benches cleared. Several guys got thrown out on both teams. I couldn't go back in the game. The team doctor wanted me to be checked out. You know what I realized just like that, friends? That basketball shouldn't be number one in my life. Have you ever had anything traumatic happen to you? Maybe an illness? Maybe a loss of a loved one, maybe an accident, maybe a financial fall, maybe a number of things. We realize, man, whatever's number one in my life shouldn't be number one. And I began to think about that. A couple nights later, I got down on my knees in my dorm room at UNC Asheville. And I don't believe that you can lose your salvation. That's a whole other topic. If you want to talk about it, we'll go to lunch and talk about it. But... The question is, 
did I have it in the first place? Because the Bible says, you know, a tree by the fruit it bears. And I wasn't bearing any fruit. If anything, I was leading people away from the Lord. When I was your age, my mom said I had the calling of an evangelist then. I was witnessing in the neighborhood. I was concerned about my, my teammates, my, my little league players and their faith. But then I got with the wrong crowd. I let basketball become number one. I got off the path. Maybe you can relate to that. I got down on my knees that night in my dorm room and I said, Lord, I don't know if I really meant that when I was nine years old because of what's going on in my life now. But I want to make sure right now. And one of my mentors that's in heaven, Dr. Adrian Rogers, you might see him on radio or TV, he had a saying, he said, you got to know that you know that you know that Christ is in your life. So I prayed a simple prayer of repentance. And I said, Lord, I want to know if you were there at 9, I'm just making sure. Or if, you, if I didn't mean that at 9, I mean it now. And I got up off my knees, young people, and you know what? That made all my problems go away, right? Wrong. In this life, there's going to be tough times. Five minutes on the clock, I'm almost finished. Clock's going to run out one day. Those of you that are athletes, game over. No extra innings, no penalty kicks, the game's over. Thirty-two years of age, I was sharing the gospel, going all over the world, had some minor stomach issues. Went to the doctor, they found a carcinoid, thank God it was slow going, cancerous tumor in my side. Why me, Lord? Since I recommitted my life to you, my junior year of high school, when I go out with my girlfriend, I don't put my hands on her, Lord. I treat her like God's daughter, like God wants her to be treated. You see, your children aren't going to hear that on MTV. They're not going to hear that on BET. They're not going to hear that on the movies of the week. But listen to me. God wants you precious young people to live for Jesus and to keep yourself pure before the Lord to Him. Coach Randy messed up. But thank God for His grace and mercy. If my ministry partner Jamie were here today, he's two days older than me. I'm only 72, so don't look at me funny, sweetheart. (laughs) Just kidding. Jamie came to Christ as a nine-year-old boy. His daddy was a pastor. He wasn't like most pastor's kids. Sorry, pastor. (laughs) Back in the South, pastor's kids rebelled, but Jamie didn't rebel. He stayed on the path with the Lord. He never had a drop of alcohol in his body, never had a puff of smoke in his body, and he kept himself pure until he was married. That's the kind of testimony that God designs for us to have, folks. Thank God for His mercy and grace that gets us out of the pit and brings the prodigal back. But the Bible says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is that you come to Christ as a young age and that you stay on the path. doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. But Jamie's testimony is what God kept him away from. My testimony is what God got me out of. Some people of you that have a testimony of what God kept you away from, you don't think you have a testimony. Yes, you do. You got the greatest testimony. That's how God designed it. Share it. Share it in love. Those of us that God got us out of the mud and the mire, cleaned us up, gave us a new song, share yours too.
there's going to be tough times. I got through the tumor. They said you got a one in a million chance of it coming back. Pretty good statistics, Brother Rick. Seven years ago, I was having some minor issues. Went back to the doctor, Dr. Mary, who goes with us on mission trips. She came back into the office and she was crying. Randy, it's in your liver. Later on, I got on Dr. Mary. I said, Dr. Mary, you're not supposed to be the one crying. I'm supposed to be the one crying. I go to Denver every year for a scan on my liver. I take a shot every month. Thank God for insurance. The shot is $7,000. I still play ball with 20-year-olds. I'm 53 years old. God is good. His grace is sufficient. He will not allow more on us than what we can bear. Do I believe Jesus heals today? Absolutely. Do I believe in doctors and medication? Absolutely. Do sometimes we don't see the healing? Absolutely. But those of our loved ones that are in heaven now, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tough times, they wouldn't come back now if we begged them to. So there's going to be tough times in life, but here's the good news. Jesus said He will never leave you nor forsake you. I grew more of what I've gone through to shape me that hopefully I can reach someone for the Lord. Jesus takes us through those tough times so we can then minister to others through those tough times. I can't explain it all to you. His ways are above our ways. But He said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, thou comfortest me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Randy, do you get depressed sometimes? Yep, just like you. Elijah called fire down from heaven, destroyed the prophets of Baal. Three days later, he was underneath a juniper tree asking God to kill him close with this what do we do with those fiery darts what these young people are doing we memorize scripture and when those fiery darts come we put the word of God to them and we still get nervous sometimes and we still get depressed sometimes but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world y'all are great listeners I'm finished hopefully I've communicated to you number one that God is love he loves us red yellow black or white He's got a plan for our lives. And in a group this big, I never assume that everyone in here knows Jesus. I'll give you that opportunity. Secondly, maybe you know the Lord. But like me, you've gotten off the path. You say, Randy, there's something that I put before the Lord. And God has convicted me of that today. And I just need to confess it to Him. I want Him to be the head coach of my life. I want Him to be number one. And number three, you say, Randy, I'm part of that 95%, buddy. I hate to admit it, but like you, the first, those years when I was backslidden, I wasn't sharing Christ with anybody. Oh, I prayed on game day because that's when I needed my shots to go in. That's when I needed my team to win. We treat God as a heavenly Santa Claus, y'all. If I'm real good, then God will bless me. There's some truth of obedience, yes. But God loves us unconditionally. But he disciplines us. My daddy's in heaven. But my daddy didn't believe in time out. Randy, go stand in the corner. Put your nose in the corner, buddy. And in 10 minutes, I'll tell you when you can come out. No, my daddy believed in time in. 
That's when he took that leather strap, Pastor, and he put it on the seat of knowledge because he loved me so much. Now, I'm not talking about abuse, children. Some of you have had shoes thrown at you. Don't raise your hand. Some of you have had chairs thrown at you. Some of you have been told, you know what, you'll never amount to nothing. And my good friends, John and Catherine, they work with the, the criminal system in Orange County. They're very humble. They would never tell you that. But they've worked with children that have been told, you're not going to amount to anything. And you know what? 99% of those in prison were told that. I'm not talking about the wrong kind of discipline. I'm talking about the discipline of a loving father. Hebrews 12.5 says, Do not despise the chastening of the Lord. He disciplines those He loves. I'm going to close in prayer. It may be that you need to nail down your salvation today. It may be that you want to make a recommitment to Christ. Or it may be you say, Randy, man, I can't spin a ball on a toothbrush. I can't play football. I'm not high in the, the judicial system or the, or the court system. Or, the, or I'm not a chaplain of the L.A. Lakers. But it's not my ability. It's my availability. You see, God just wants you to be available. Who did He use? He used the fishermen, the smelly ones. He didn't go to Jerusalem. He went to the lake. He went to the Sea of Galilee. And he got the fishermen and he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. How do we do that? Well, you're doing it through upward. That's a good thing. But all of you don't play basketball. (laughs) So you got to do it through what God has given your talents and abilities to share. You say, Randy, that scares me to death to share my faith. That's another message for next time. Scares me to death too. But Jesus will do it through you. He will give you the words to say at the time you need to say them. I'm going to give you a gift today. It's a crossfire card. I challenge you, on the back of it, right down through here, is the Roman road. Four verses. If I said, Pastor, I'm coming back next Sunday, and I'm not. But if I said, probably never get to come back. I'm overtime, right? But anyway, if I said, I'm coming back, and I'm going to bring a roll of $100 bills. And those of you that memorize the Roman road, what's the Roman road? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated His love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth, you never had a preacher here like this, have you? Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that God hath raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. I challenge you believers to memorize those four verses. And God will give you opportunity to share your faith. Thirty years ago, I would have been hard time talking to one of you one-on-one because I went through major depression, major anxiety, contemplating suicide as a Christian. God's allowed me to share this with President Obama. Six years ago, we talked about basketball for five minutes, and I talked to him about Jesus. I've been able to sit down with Michael Jordan since then about ten times. He sent me these shoes and these sweats, but that won't get me into heaven. And I've shared with Michael, Michael, it doesn't matter how many championship trophies you got. doesn't matter how many sports cars you got. doesn't matter how much money you got. What's going to matter is what did you do with Jesus? Did you receive Him or did you reject Him? But you know what? J.D., you're just as important, buddy, as those people that I just named. Because God has a plan for your life. And these kids that come through Upward and the Bible Club, God has a plan for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this awesome day at Cross Point Christian. And Lord, awesome crowd here today. 
with a group of people this big, Lord, there may be someone in here that says, you know, I don't have the assurance that I'm going to heaven. And I need to know that today. So, Lord, I pray you would speak to the hearts. I pray for those that know you, but maybe they've gotten off the path, Lord. They need to come back to you today. I pray for those that know you, Lord. They're on fire for you. Just flame the fire, Lord. This ought to be an encouragement. And, Lord, for those like me for so long that, that don't share their faith, Lord, that's, that's called the sin of silence. You didn't say if we want to be a witness. You said we shall be witnesses, Lord, and we all do it different. But we need to present the gospel to people, Lord. The people can't be saved. Most people don't know how to get to heaven. They think we can get there by being good. They think we can get there by being Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, Charismatic, Church of God, Episcopalian, Lutheran. No, Lord, you said we must be born again. So, Lord, those here that need to make a commitment today to make themselves available to you, I pray you bring them to that decision. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to pray for you. If you need to receive Christ, you don't have that assurance, young or old. And you say, Brother Randy, today I understand the gospel, that Jesus bridged the gap for me. And I want to make that decision. It's not just saying words, but it's the attitude of your heart. You pray this in your heart if that's your desire today. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner like Mr. Randy. But Lord, today I understand the gospel. And I tell you that I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I repent. Young people, that means I turn from them. I've lied. I've been disobedient to mom or dad. Jesus, come into my heart. By faith, I'm trusting you, Jesus, and what you did on the cross for me. Just tell him that in your heart. By the blood of Jesus, Lord, I accept your free gift. And I ask you to make me into the person that you want me to be. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm not going to have you come forward like a crusade. Maybe I should. You see, if we can't stand for Jesus here, how are we going to do it at work? How are we going to do it in the neighborhood? How are we going to do it in the community? But if you pray that prayer, I'm just going to pray for you as I leave here today with your face in my mind. Nobody's looking around but me. Say, Brother Randy, I prayed that today. I accepted Jesus. I repented. I nailed it down. I wasn't sure, but I know I've never done that. But I did it today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Just raise it up and put it right back down. Amen. 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 Say, Brother Randy, I know the Lord, but I've gotten off the path. I can relate to your story. It's not basketball for me, but something else has become number one. And I just want to confess that to the Lord today. And I want to I accept, accept His forgiveness and cleansing. And I want Christ to be number one in my life. If that's your desire today, you pray this. Dear Jesus, I know you live in my heart, Lord. I know I've been born again. I know that I've repented. I've put my faith in you. But Lord, today, you've spoken to me about something in my life that I know shouldn't be there. And I ask you right now, Lord, I confess it to you. And I accept your cleansing. And Lord, I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be the head coach of my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Not those of you that raised your hand for the first prayer, but... 
you're making a prayer of recommitment of your life to Christ today, I'd ask you to slip your hand up right where you're at. Amen, 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 amen. Awesome. 20, 30 hands. Praise the Lord. Say, Brother Randy, I know the Lord. I'm seeking to live for the Lord, but like you, I'm guilty. I've been guilty of the sin of silence. And I definitely can't play basketball or football, but I'm willing to make myself available. However, God wants to use me, each one reach one. And that's scary to me because I know I can be rejected. I could be persecuted. But Lord, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. And today, Lord, I'm just going to make myself available. I'm asking you to forgive me for the sin of silence. And today, Lord, I'm just committing that you give me opportunities. You give me the courage to memorize the Roman road so I'll have a message to share with people or my testimony or word of encouragement. I just want to make myself available today. You pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, Lord, I come to you. Your word says that we're to follow you and become fishers of men. And Lord, I haven't been fishing. And I ask your forgiveness. But Lord, I pray today you'd give me courage. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. It says in Proverbs, he that wins souls is wise. And Lord, I pray you would just you take my availability, Lord. You do it through me. Give me courage, Lord, to look for opportunities to be a witness for you. Thank you, Lord. Fill me fresh and anew with your Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer today, prayer, making yourself available to be a witness. My hand's already up. I fell every day. That's your prayer. Just lift your hand right where you're at. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Father God, you saw the hands that were raised, some for salvation, some for recommitment, some committing to make yourself available. I pray, God, you'd seal these decisions. And Father, the praise band is going to pray, is going to play. Pray you bless our, the Bible club team, Father. Anyone that's made a decision today, I pray they would see one of the elders or see me afterwards or see pastor. It's important that we follow up. And Lord, we just give you the praise and glory. Thank you for this awesome congregation to speak to. It's easy to share your word here, Lord, because people want to hear it. Lord, help me and help us to apply it to our lives, and we're going to give you the praise and glory. Lord, I pray for those that are going through physical needs here today, that you would touch their bodies physically. Those that are going through emotional needs, that you would touch their body. Those that are going through spiritual needs, that you would touch their body. Help them to reach out to someone that can encourage them in the Lord. And Father, we look to you as Jehovah Rophe the healer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.